Hey, welcome along to this podcast, this Three Teachers podcast. My name's Ken. I am your native English teacher and host of this podcast for all things learning English. The Three Teachers podcast, we have a couple of special guests for you today, and we go through questions that I am asked all the time from my followers on my Instagram page, Get English Tips. And the beauty of it is you can have three teachers for the price of one. You have all our expertise and all of our examples to give you and different perspectives on different parts of English, whether it's grammar or vocabulary or expressions or how to learn, etc. Today's um, teachers that we have along are, we have one native speaker from the United States. His name is Teacher Will. He's an English teacher out in Saudi Arabia. He's been out there for a few years and I know him quite well from, from being on Instagram together. We've done a few collaborations, very, very knowledgeable. His enthusiasm just oozes out of it. So you'll be able to pick up on that and he's got some fantastic methods and motivation to keep you interested in improving your English. We also have teacher Lily, and this was the first time I've actually met Lily, I've spoken to her, and I actually thought that she was Australian. She's got a fantastic accent, but she's actually Russian. So she really, really fooled me. She's got a brilliant, clear accent and very, very knowledgeable. And it's always great to have a non-native teacher teaching also because I always feel that with non-natives, they have something that native teachers don't. They have the perspective of actually learning English and then teaching it. Whereas myself being a native, we just speak it and we have to think in our mind, why do we say this, etc. So I always, always try and have a non-native on just so to get a, you know, a, a student's perspective or a learner's perspective of learning English. Today we go through lots and lots of different questions that have been given on my Instagram channel and we had such, we, we didn't stop talking for, for nearly an hour there, it was really good. We could have kept talking for a couple of hours but it was really, really interesting and I hope you find it interesting also. And I've put their, um, their contact details, their social media contact details in the program notes so be sure to give them a a follow or check them out on Instagram and YouTube and Telegram, etc. I'm sure you'll find something interesting for there. And don't forget, if you're looking for speaking partners, I have my gab2.com website, G-A-B-T-O-O.com, which is a platform for English learners to connect and practice with other English learners by speaking, not the normal texting, but actually practice speaking and you can do it face to face on video also. And if you remember, don't forget, we do three free classes per week on Gab2, just general conversation classes. You're more than welcome to come along. So check out Gab2.com. So that's me over with here and uh, I'll fire straight into the podcast. I hope you really enjoy it. Leave your comments. I'm more than happy to answer any questions you have. And enjoy and I'll see you at the end. Bye for now.
Right, so this is podcast number two, and this is what we call three teachers, uh, three teachers. And essentially, I get lots of uh, questions from students on my Instagram asking me, Teacher Ken, can you answer this? So I've decided to uh, um, to get two well-known teachers of Instagram along, and we can go through the student questions. Yeah. So for those that don't know, my name's Ken. Teacher Ken, I'm from Scotland in the UK, and I've been teaching for about 12 years, and I've visited about 50 countries in the world, uh, speak four languages, and uh, the last 10 years I've spent in Bangkok and Thailand, teaching university graduates how to work for the airlines. And I have my Instagram channel, Get English Tips, for the last 14, 15 months or so, yeah? So that's myself. Lily, please introduce yourself. Okay, so my name is Lily and uh, I'm Russian. Uh, I work as a teacher since 2013. That's when I moved to China and started to teach there. So the life was easy back then, it's not easy anymore. But (laughs) back in time, it was great and it was a great place to learn and work simply because I can say that I have tried such a great number of jobs there and I was teaching Uh, almost everything, almost every subject. I've taught chemistry, physics, biology, psychology, uh, politics, (laughs) and of course, like, I yes, so many things because they have such a great need in... uh, English teachers and it's uh, quite hard to find a person who would do that and I always like to learn something new and it was a great opportunity for me Uh so I was working in a training center for several years and my job was to I was a supervisor uh-huh. So I was supposed to interview new students and uh, select the right curriculum for them. Uh-huh. And uh, then I had some teaching hours as well. After a couple of years, uh, I have started a new job in uh, an international school. And that was very interesting experience for me uh-huh. because I would, spend, I would spend the whole day there. Since morning, uh-huh. I would get there and see students doing this morning exercises and uh, then would just go on with classes. And uh, I had general classes where there were 42 students in a class and it was a nightmare. <laughs> uh-huh. Then I had uh, international groups. That was more interesting, of course, because there were only like seven or eight like 10 students max and that was fantastic because I had this freedom to do whatever I liked with them uh-huh. to help them improve that's the only thing they really wanted from me like make us speak <laughs> that's exactly. all they wanted yeah. yeah yeah so that's actually before that time before I got that job and I received that job offer uh, in May I had three months to become very fluent in English and wow. it was a big challenge for me just three months Mm -hmm. my English was good but I would just to give you an example uh, when I wanted to describe an offensive behavior I only could say the word you are very rude that nothing really nothing else came to my head I just I didn't know what to say Uh so I needed really to expand my vocabulary and to to start thinking in English because I still found myself translating whatever I say. So uh-huh. first I thought it, I thought in Russian and then I translated it into English. Mm-hmm. So that was 
very difficult. And uh, so I had three months and I decided that I'm going to make it work because I really wanted to work in that international school. Uh-huh. And I found my own method, how I can, you know, I can start speaking easily. And I started to listen to audiobooks. Uh-huh. I was listening to them like all day long. I was listening and reading at the same time. I would highlight every word and I would not translate it into Russian anymore. That's a huge thing. That's a huge mistake I think lots of people make. Mm. They keep trying to translate everything into their own language. Yeah, and yeah. It doesn't work at all. I know that for a fact. Uh-huh. So I started to, I uploaded, I had this, you know, uh, Kindle Paperweight, you know, this ebook. So I would, uh, I downloaded uh, the Cambridge vocabulary there. Cambridge Dictionary, sorry. Uh-huh. And so I would highlight every new word I see and I would uh, read it. What does it mean in English? And I just keep going. I was listening and reading, listening and reading. And after like several months, I was reading Harry Potter. <laughs> Everyone reads Harry Potter, right? <laughs> yes. I mean, like I was thinking, what can I listen to that would uh-huh. really... You know, I would engage in this and I would really like it. And so as a kid, I grew up reading Harry Potter Mm -hmm. and I decided, okay, that's what I'm going to do. The first um, book I downloaded was read by a not very good reader. I suppose it was very uninteresting. And then I found an audio book read by Stephen Fry. Uh Great accent, great accent. He is a great actor. So uh-huh. he was not just reading that book. I could hear, I could what? hear and imagine whatever he was saying. I saw yeah. this picture in my head, and that's when I fell in love with the British accent. Fantastic. And I started to work on it. And so three months, uh-huh. and in September when I started to work, my colleagues were asking me where I was from, and they were not sure I was Russian uh-huh. at all. So that's that's my story. After that's I quit I that job, Australia with your accent, you know. Thank you. Yes, after that, I moved to private tutoring and I was tutoring for many years and I like it too. That's me. (laughs) Brilliant. Excellent. Teacher Will. Thank you. Hey, everybody. First of all, Teacher Ken, thanks so much for inviting me. So, hello, everybody. In case you don't know me, my name is Teacher Will. I am from America and um, I'm currently living in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. I've been teaching since 2011. Before I was a teacher, I was in the business world. So I'm here in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, teaching um, in a private company, uh-huh. also teaching and offering tutor services online. Glad to be here. And if people want more information about me, check out my content. You can go to Instagram and YouTube, ask underscore teacher will. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love teaching because I think it's, you know, teaching is life for me. And, and the ATW family knows this. I have a couple um, personal mottos and professional mottos we learn together because I think that in the world of education in the world of ELT it's important that we learn together and particularly given the fact that when I say that it's kind of like we have the opportunity to learn from each other and particularly students yeah. have the opportunity to not take themselves out of the learning process yeah. and the other thing my other personal me- uh, motto that i like is walk the walk and talk the talk because i do think that as relates to english and life but certainly english your words and your actions should be the same so oftentimes learners have a desire to improve their fluency improve their pronunciation mm-hmm. you know and yet that that's a dream or that's what they want to do but yet they don't put up with act with uh, actions and actually doing something so Looking forward to this, and thanks for inviting me. 
fantastic. Excellent. Well, lovely to see you both. Uh, as I said, first time I've seen Elliot and I've not seen Will. Actually, I think the last time I spoke to you, I was just coming back from Thailand. You were coming, yeah, you were coming back from Thailand and then you did the insight video. Hey, y'all, listen, if you don't know, Teacher Ken did an insight video. That's You can go over to my YouTube channel. And yeah. He was actually in Bangkok and then recording it back and then did part of it in Bangkok and did the other part in Scotland. And thank you for that. So... Yeah, it was a really great, and I think, you know, I came up with that idea in terms of yeah. insight because oftentimes people say that, oh, I have no one to speak English uh, with, or they think English is only delivered in one particular sound or one particular color or one particular region. So I came up with that idea to give people, hopefully the learners, an opportunity to say that, hey, you know what, English is a diverse language. It's global in nature. Absolutely. And so here are some individuals, such as Teacher Ken, that actually did insight. So thanks again for that. Yeah, and, and when I did this podcast uh, last week with teacher David and teacher uh, Stu from Instagram, um, I actually, because David's not a native speaker, and although he sounds totally native, you know, I'll, the three of us actually learn different things from each other, you know, different ways that we're putting things across and different ways to explain stuff, um, which, are, which I found really, really interesting, you know, it's fantastic. So what we've got here is, I'll just, I'm just going to share my screen here. This is the Get English Tips, which is my Instagram, is the Three Teacher Podcast. And these are questions that have been asked by lots of different students, okay, over the, over the last year or so. So, and it's great having a non-native speaker here because I really feel that non-native speakers can do things that native speakers can't. I mean, for example, when we're at school, well, it's true, when we're at school, we don't learn things like uh, the perfect tense or the passive voice. I, was, I, I learned this when I was learning to be a teacher because we just speak. We don't know the grammatical terms and, and how the construction, etc. cetera. So, uh, so it's great having a non-native on it because we certainly provide a lot more uh, value to, to learners, you know. So the first question that I got is how to improve vocabulary. Now, this is a question that comes up every day to me, every day. How can I improve my vocabulary and how can I remember vocabulary? Yeah. Now, for me, when I was learning Spanish, I lived in Spain for, for a few years, like six years, and I was learning Spanish. And I found that I found it quite nerve-wracking speaking another language and trying to remember vocabulary. So one thing I used to do was if I if I liked the sound of a word, I would make three sentences with that word in Spanish and repeat it over and over and over. And this actually helped me, you know, to improve my Spanish because I was actually learning in sentences rather than individual vocabulary. And um, so if any learners are kind of you know, wondering about that, it's really important to, to learn the vocabulary in the context of how you're going to speak it. Yeah. Right. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I, definitely. I mean, for me, it's kind of like, I, I just kind of have a three quick rule. Uh -huh. I think when you're learning vocabulary, it's, um, I did a video about this a while back, but it's kind of like, let's say I want to learn you know, I see a word belligerent and I don't know what it means. Well, the first thing is, it's I don't like, know hey, belligerent. What does it mean? you know what it means. Come on. But anyway, belligerent. So that's a great example. 
you look the word up, figure out what the meaning is, and try, if possible, not to translate in your native language, because to teach a Lily's point, that oftentimes causes problem in your programming your brain, but trans do not translate if you can. So you get the overall meaning, try to find out you know, what the definition is, then what? You use that word in a particular sentence. Oh my God, he is belligerent today. Something's the matter with him, yeah. right? So, and then, so what do you do? You, do? you define the word, you come up with associated synonyms, more like angry, use the word in a sentence. And then in order to retain that word is that you use that word as much as possible. Research has shown that you, the more you use the word at least seven to 10 times yeah. is that, hey, you retain it. So my, that's really kind of what I teach people. To your point, Teacher Ken, again, learning vocabulary, do not learn it. My recommendation would be is do not learn it in isolation. You learn vocabulary or most things in the English language in situation and context. So the more that you use the words in a sentence and then to retain it, you could use stick at walls, you can listen to it, you could write it down, writing vocabulary down in sentences and context and use. It's a great way. I mean, that's what I applied it when I was learning French. Yep. So those are my suggestions for vocabulary. Fantastic. Lily, what do you think? Because obviously you've had to learn new vocabulary, et cetera, on your journey to being a perfect English speaker. Oh, come on. <laughs> Thank you. Well, as I said, I really think that it's so important to stop translating things into your native language because it doesn't work. It brings you as far from the result as it's possible. So mm. if you really want to improve your vocabulary, you really have to do a bit of job, a bit of work. So you start reading. So for me, reading worked and reading something that's interesting for you. And when you see the words you don't know, you open the Cambridge Dictionary, Oxford Dictionary, and you check the definition. Mm. And of course, at first, it's going to be difficult because you're going to look at the definition and like, oh my God, 10 more new words for me. <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> but that will pass. So you are trying to figure out the meaning of this word. You don't need to translate it. So some, right now, how do I feel when uh, my students ask me uh, to translate what I said in Russian, I do have problem, problems translating it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I don't know how to say it in Russian. And I try to explain to them that it's okay. These two languages are completely different. Mm -hmm. So people think differently in these two different languages. So you don't need to translate. You just need to have this feeling. You have to understand what's this about. So I also think that learning synonyms is very important. So you, mm -hmm. you see the word, like, like you said, belligerent, and you see what does it mean? What other word can replace it? Okay, uh, let's say hostile, right? Okay, if you know the word hostile, then it's going to be already easier for you. So you learn 10 more words together yeah. with the, this one word. And uh, yes, I think reading is the best. So you learn in context. You're going to understand why did the, I don't know, why, why do they say this way, this way? Okay, the person was very angry. That's why he said this way. And then you're going to remember, of course, writing down is also very important because if you just, you know, you just see this word and then you just forget about it, it's not going to work at all. So um, I use um, uh, my iPhone to read the books and there is a great option there I'm going to share ah, with you. So you can upload whatever dictionary you want here. So uh -huh. when you read, you can look up whatever word you want. So you just select the word, you press the lookup and it opens the, the dictionary for you. So oh, you read oh, the definition. Wow. 
Uh -huh. Yes, right here. So you just get the word. Okay, for example, I have here the word aggressive. I look it up and my dictionary opens. Oxford Dictionary said ready or likely to attack or confront. And it has an example here for you. So after that, you highlight that word and later you can open the list of all the words you highlighted and you just go through it like several times a day wow. or at least once a week mm -hmm. and i think it it works i mean i really think it works what app's that what app's that what app is Sorry, that what? what app is that lily what app what app with app yeah oh ibook ibook oh just ibook yes yes all yes right, okay. just ibook all right, fantastic. I haven't got that on my phone, right? All right, okay. Good stuff, no? Good. Yeah, I think one thing um, I see a lot of, of Instagram is there'll be, there'll be like, um, you know, I'll, there'll be like a post with about 20 words on it, and then there'll be the, the antonyms or the synonyms. Now, I know you're saying, like, find the synonyms, but the, the, what we are saying earlier, the words on their own can actually bring a different meaning. You know, I mean, a classic example, and I see it all the time, is the word pungent. Mm. Always gets used incorrectly, you know. Um, you know, pungent we use most, mostly about a smell, but a lot of, a lot of people will say, use the word pungent for, for someone's behavior, for example, you know. So I think sometimes, you know, you, as you say, you have to kind of learn the vocabulary in, in the context, you know. Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree with you, Ken. I mean, certainly content providers have the opportunity and they choose to do, but my approach is you use vocabulary in context situation, and that way it helps somebody remember what the word you're studying. Absolutely, absolutely. I think the things on Instagram just now, the reels on Instagram are brilliant because they're just like, I don't know if you've got them where you are, they're just like 30 second videos. You give the, you give the vocabulary, give an example, and it's finished, you know? So it's really kind of using the vocabulary. You can use it in the context, you know? Fantastic. So there we go. Uh, to improve your vocabulary, let me see. To improve your vocabulary, you have to learn in context, yeah? And you have to read and write down what we're saying, yeah? Fantastic. Okay. Anything else you want to add to that one? No? no? Brilliant. Okay. This is another question I had. When to use the expression, little did I know. Mm. I, I love this expression, yeah? Little did I yeah. know. Can anyone answer that? Will, do you want to, do you want to take that one? Uh, little did I know that I would be on, little did I know that I would be invited to participate on a live YouTube with Get English and teacher Lily. <laughs> little did I know that, hey, you know what, that I like to focus on uh, pronunciation versus accent. So what did we do, learners? Before, what we did was, is that before we, what I try to do is my approach is, is that, hey, what? We talked about vocabulary use the word in context and situation. So I love this particular expression. Mm -hmm. and, it, and the way that I would define that is, is that, hey, it's information that I'm not readily aware of, or you exposed me to something that I didn't know. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. how I would explain it. Absolutely right. Yeah, Lily, what do you think? Well, how would you explain, how well, would you, as a non-native? Well, I would say that little did I know means that you had no idea that something is going to happen to you. So right. for example, little did I know that I'm going to stay in Vietnam for nine months. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> that was sorry i didn't know it's going to happen to me i was here for two weeks like i don't know a month probably but okay the flights were canceled and we extended our visas and again and again and again there are no international flights so here i am little did i know i'm going to stay in vietnam for nine months <laughs> i think that's the the story for the year 2020 isn't it little did we know yeah. what was going to happen to everybody you know Little did Absolutely. we know that we would be indoors for a year, you know. But oh, came, yeah. But I came back from Thailand in October last year. I thought, right, I'll come back. I'll stay for a couple of months and then go back to Thailand. And little did I know, as you know, that that was never going to happen, right? Well, <laughs> it's a great expression to use, isn't it? It's, it's one of these ones that we use in general conversation. And probably it doesn't really get taught by teachers uh, that much, doesn't it? because it's more about yeah. you know, general conversation, yeah. So little did I know, something that you were not ready to experience, something that took you by surprise, yeah? No idea, yeah. exactly. Perfect, excellent, excellent. So here's one, another question. What's the difference between most students and most of students? Now, I've written this down exactly how it was sent to me. Now, I know that you're going to point out that this is grammatically a little bit wrong, but what's the difference between most students and most of students? Excuse me, there's my praxi coming past, I think. Lily, you're first. <laughs> it's like, okay. It's live, ladies and gentlemen. It's live. It's the beauty of that. <laughs> okay. So, um, most and most of. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I think it's a kind of, it refers to like a quantity of like some, some group. So when we just want to say mm -hmm. most of stu most students, you just want to say that's really like, let's say like 90% of students. When uh -huh. you say most of students, you mean, um, well, they're kind of like a specific group. Okay. Okay. That sounds interesting. Yeah. Teacher Will, what would you say? Well, I mean, I would use, how do I say it? So like if I say most, right? So it's like most people, it's mm -hmm. it's referring to a particular like noun or like most countries, most people, mm -hmm. right? But then for me, then if I say most of the, most okay, of it's, it's if I'm used to refer to a specific th thing because the is the article. Yeah. So it's like, you know, most people want to learn English. Right. Yeah. But then if I say most of the people, it's being a specific name, geographic group, things. That's how I would explain it. So Even, like you would say most of the most of the people in Vietnam want to right. learn English. Kind exactly. Of thing, yeah? Exactly. So most people or most students would be a kind of generic, a general, right. a general thing. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I think learners, the thing is, is that when back in the day, back in the day, that's not English, <laughs> but hey, uh, remember, part of the things is like when you're first learning the, the language, regardless if you're a beginner, and then in addition to that, also I think it's important for as a person increases their proficiency, it's important to understand that, hey, you know what, how words to understand parts of speech, right? Because we learn long time ago, a and the, well, yeah, they're called articles. So hmm. if you remember, hey, the, if we say a man, the man, yeah. hey, there's a man. Well, what man is that? What man is that? Right. Yeah. Or a country. But if I say, you know, a student, 
or most students. First, if I say most of the students, that's why it's important to understand articles and other parts of speech. Absolutely, yeah. So it's like the, the article A or A or an is kind of like a non-specific article. Right. Yeah. And this, I always kind of give the example of the articles like an, an old lady came, came on the bus. How many old ladies in the world? There are millions of them, yeah? But the next yeah. time we mention it, it becomes uh, specific, yeah? So we say, the old lady came and sat next to me, yeah? So we make it into a, a specific article, yeah? Yeah? Yeah. What do you think, Lily? What do you think about articles? Do you have them in Russian? Um, no, no, we don't. I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> no, no, no. So, yeah, it's a super important topic that... <laughs> It has to be explained. So that's how I usually explain it to my students. So I say we have uh, an article A and N. That uh -huh. means one. Yeah. That means like one and any, like you said, an old lady. Like how many ladies are there? If we say yeah. a house, it means like any house. Mm. Okay. And if we say the, it means this one. Yeah. This particular one. So I can say, I see a house. The house is blue or the house is white, let's say. Yeah. Why? Because this is the second time I mentioned the house. So you already know what house I'm talking about. This particular one. Yeah. So we say the house. Yeah. Something like that. Absolutely right. And it's difficult for non-natives because certainly in Thailand, in the Asian languages, uh, we, don't, we don't have the articles. I think in the Arabic languages as well. There's no, there's no articles there, so it's a new concept, if you like, to, to, to a lot of learners, you know, and a difficult one as well, you know, as well. Yeah. Cool. Excellent. Any questions? Anything you want to add to that? No? That's it. That's it. Fantastic. Okay. Now, next one we've got is how to use ought to. Ought to. I think... For me as a native, I never use this ought to, you know, you ought to do this. I think I would use it more like you should, you should do this, I think. I think ought to is, yeah. sounds kind of archaic or a lot older. Maybe I'm wrong, but. No, I don't think you're wrong. I think, you know, I think language grows, I'm sorry, I don't think you're wrong. My perspective would be language grows, it evolves, it changes. Mm. You know, I mean, English, every language but particularly English grows and evolves and it changes due to the individuals that are using it. So, you know, when I think all to, I think all to for me is much more formal, oh, right? Yeah. Mo yeah, for me, it's like, oh, he ought to, he ought to come to work on time or he ought to study English. Ought to me is mean formal. Certainly it's a mold, it's a modal verb, right? But I would definitely agree with you. Like, what does it mean or, or what does it mean or when to use it? Well, a synonym or a way to explain it from a different perspective, he should or she should, the person should do something. So yeah. when I think of ought to, I'd be like should or has the opportunity, not, you know, slightly under mandatory because uh -huh. oftentimes students will ask the question, what's the difference between ought to versus must versus have to. Yeah. But for me, when I think of ought to, I would agree with you. I, I rarely hear it utilized. And if I do, I hear it in, um, much more formal settings, formal, legal huh? settings, and then also more from a, a British perspective, more so than as American perspective. Actually, when you said ought to there, I heard a British accent, a very RP accent from you there, though, you know? You know, so, well, I, I get, you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, perhaps, I mean, you know my thoughts on like accents or yeah, yeah, ATW yeah. family does, 
But no, certainly I think, you know, when I think ought to, I just think it, you know, I've seen it utilized more on, first thing I thought of is Game of Thrones and I haven't watched in a while, but when I think of, when I think of ought to, I think of, okay, I think of Britain and, and, and the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth, because to me, it's more formal. But to your point, like should to and stuff, but I don't hear it often used. Uh, interesting, interesting. What about you, Lily? What do you think? I don't know. I really don't hear this word much. I know this word, but I really, we don't use it that much, I think. Right. We say you must, you, you can, you could, you should. Mm. So, but however, anyway, it means that actually, oh, uh, my students in China use this word very often. But, you know, they have different books. So I suppose in, uh, like, I suppose in just public schools, they have these school books and they include lots of stuff that can be maybe a bit outdated or something. So mm. some things they teach is not that popular anymore. People don't use it anymore. Yeah, so yeah. I've heard that several times from my students and then they just replace it with should or something. So yeah, auto means uh, when you want to express the obligation, you have to do this, right? Mm. So you ought to listen carefully. I say you must listen carefully when it talks when we talk about my class. You must listen carefully. <laughs> right, that's a good yeah, that's a good example. And also, I think also uh, Lily, you just reminded me of that. You know, one of the things that language has is is that it has nuance, and so there's a difference between if I want to say, hey, you know what, you you must or you 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 know you must study English versus if I say you ought to study English. So I think. You know, I think it's important for the learners to understand words have nuance and the power of words, again, going back to situation and context. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Ought to is like, as well, just on the thing of that, ought to is more like an opinion as well, don't you think, as well? Exactly, yeah, exactly. Because there's a, if I say, hey, you know what, you ought to learn another language. Yeah, it's my advice. Versus you must learn another language, mm. right? So again, it, that's a great point, Teacher Ken, because to me, it's kind of like, it's an opinion is it net for me it's kind of opinion it's more of a choice versus obligation because if yeah. i say you must learn english versus you ought to learn english again that's nuanced for me i'm saying the same thing but if i use ought to i'm a little bit i'm giving the person a suggestion and giving an opinion yeah. and i'm less direct being you know i'm less yeah. direct mm. that's a great point yeah actually that, that maybe ties in with what you're saying about the british english because Generally, in, in British English, our our language is very kind of, uh, it's not direct. It's kind of, you know, it's very, very soft. So when we say- Exactly, right, exactly. Have to be careful. <laughs> exactly. Well, no, and I think that's the, I think that's, you know, this is really great. And just in terms of showing the diversity, I mean, we have three different English, you know, people that speak English from all over the world, and you make a very good point. Another thing that students need to understand is, is that, hey, number one is understanding the, you know, one's culture and how the culture impacts language. So very to your point, I as Americans sometimes, particularly when I started teaching here, had to realize that my communication is a little bit more direct than the particular culture. So exactly right. And that's another thing, nuance, understanding when you're using words in particular words, understanding the culture of the individuals, the learners that you're teaching to, because yeah. what might be direct for me is not direct for Ken or not direct for Lily. So yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like the, the yeah. sentence they say, uh, a British person might say something like, um, that's a good idea, I'll think about it. 
when really they mean I hate that idea. Don't don't buy no. Exactly correct, and I and you know exactly correct. And so you know, as as someone who was born in America, you know, we often you know get to oh you're you know you Americans are so direct versus somebody that's from you know Britain or China or Russia, right? So. Again, it's it's Russians it's, are very direct, which I actually like, but that's my preference, <laughs> right? But you know, I like direct communication, but that is my preference. That's that's my I grew up in that culture. So again, I think the beautiful thing is is allow when learning English is to allow the nuance, the subtleties, the culture, using be able to communicate the right words based on who your audience is, and that's all that to me. That's all that language is. Yeah. Because when I'm when I'm speaking English. I'm not leaving one's culture at the door, even though I, some people might want you to do. I have to understand, hey, you know what? Certain words, certain body language, certain expression has a different meaning. And so, you know, it's that's, I think, the beautiful thing for us as teachers. But I do think sometimes that's, for learners, that's a difficult thing because it goes to your point. Well, when do I use this expression or when do I use this word? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember when I was in, when talking about the different, you know, the language and the different situation. When I was in Thailand, Thai people always ask, "Have uh, Yang, have you eaten yet?" And I'm like, "Why?" Oh, like in China. You? Sorry, is it the same in China? Is it? Yeah, Chilama. <laughs> like, why are you asking me this? And it's almost it's almost like a greeting, you know. It's almost like, "How are you? Have you eaten yet?" You know. And another one is in Thailand is, uh, "You look fat." But this is actually a, a, a term of endearment, you know, whereas in, in the UK, if someone says you look fat, it's really insulting, you know, but in Thailand, in the, in the language. Same in China. Is it the same in the Asian languages? Yeah, so they say when you, when you say to a child that he, uh, like he's fat, that means that it's it's amazing thing. It means he you have enough money to feed your child, actually. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cultural thing. I love culture, you know, I love it. Uh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. Here's one. This is a grammar one. What's the difference between he went to the market and he's gone to the market? He's went to the market and he's gone. Oh, sorry. He went to the market. Not he's went. He went to the market and he's gone to the market. Lily, this is a grammar one. What do you think? Okay, so... He went to the market is past simple. Mm. So when do we use past simple? We use past simple when we want to say, uh, when we talk about things that happened long ago and the story is over, it happened in the past. So he went to the market. Mm -hmm. When we say he's gone to the market, this is present perfect. Uh -huh. So it means that, so when we use present perfect, it always means that there is certain a result in the present. It means he is not at home at the moment. Mm -hmm. So I would say he went to the market and when I tell a story, something happened uh, like a few years ago. And when I say he's gone to the market, it's probably like someone came to visit my grandmother. They knock at the door and say, okay, where is your grandmother? And I would say, okay, she's gone to the market. Uh -huh. <laughs> she's not at home now. Right. Okay. okay. Uh, well, what do you think? Uh, so grammar is interesting. I love grammar. To be honest, when I, when I first started teaching, I, I didn't like it. So... Um, but I, you know, it's interesting. I would explain it like this. I was like, oh, he's gone to the market, gone, gone. I'm sorry. He went to the market. He went to the market. Wait, he went to the market yesterday. He went five days ago. He went 10 seconds ago. Wait a minute. When is went now past or future? 
oh, it's past. Oh, you know what? So, hey, that's the past simple. And I use that when I'm talking about complete finished time. Halas, it's done. Yeah. But he's gone to the market. Hmm. He's gone to the market. Well, wait a minute. He's gone to the market. Was it now? Was it yesterday? Was it five seconds ago? Do I know the exact time? No, I don't. Well, hey, you know what? There's a verb tense that we use in English called the present perfect. And we use that for not exact or specific time, unspecified time. You know, I think, you know, that's how I teach and that's the beautiful thing of grammar. One of the things that I suggest to learners is, or at least in my opinion and my experience is, is oftentimes people, I, I remember doing this in class when I was with the, my, the Saudi businessman that I had. I was like, one plus one equals total English. When you think of grammar, I want you to think about one plus one equals total English. And they're like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, the one equals like the grammar, right? The verb tense. So you'll tell me like, you know, that's the target language. You'll know like past simple, present perfect, whatever. And the other one, explain it, use it in context or situation. And at least with the people that I've studied is, is that most of the time they know the verb tense, but they don't know how to explain it. So the way I try to teach it is I'm like, listen, your brain, in my opinion, your brain doesn't know present perfect, future simple, past perfect continuous, present perfect continuous, but your brain knows time and concepts and explanation. So when I try to teach grammar, I try to use it in example and situation. I try to use it in situation before I explain the rule, because most of the time I think that learners know the rule, but they don't know how to explain it. And if you know a rule and you don't know how to explain it, you don't have total English, in my opinion. I think you're right. I think from my experience, I mean, I've taught in a few countries and a lot, certainly in the Asian countries, a lot of the English teachers, the local English teachers, it's been unfortunate that they've not had any communication with native speakers to be able to, you know, to, to explain something, you know, the context of something. They know the rules because they read it in books, but they've never had to practice it. Um, and, and, and they pass this on to the students. And it's only just now with the world kind of opening up or closing down this year, but opening up more and more people, you know, they're getting access to native English speakers. For, I mean, for, I'll give you an example. When I, when I was in Thailand, I remember this. Um, I spoke to one of the students and they said, Teacher Ken, you're the, fir you're the first foreigner I've spoken to. And this was like a <laughs> university graduate, like 23 years old, you know? And I thought, wow, you know, so they've not really had the, the interaction with, the, with, with native speakers in context. They've just learned the rules by the book, but not actually used it, if, if you know what I mean, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, in my opinion, expand on that briefly, I don't think that is uh, exclusive just to where you were. I think that's the norm. Yeah, yeah. And, I, you know, for me, as, as someone who, you know, hey, listen, I happen to be born in America. My native language happens to be English. Okay, that's great. So first of all, just because I'm a native English speaker does not necessarily mean that I'm going to be an effective teacher. <laughs> because teaching is an art and it's a profession. And I often think is, is that, hey, you know what? People have preference. That's fine. You can prefer some from Scotland, Russia, whatever of that nature. But listen, just because you know, there's preference. Just because somebody's a native English speaker does not make them an effective teacher. Teaching's an art, it's a profession, it's a skill. And so I think that learners need to realize that. So have your preference, like what you want, but let's not be a little biased. With that being said, I think that what happens is, is that with grammar, like, because someone who learned French, when I was learning French, I loved Mr.
system for this because before she taught the rules, she taught the sentences. So mm. I think what was important for me is, is that um, that's how I try to remember it. Like, okay, let me be a student and let me remember French and let me teach it. Second point is, is that, you know, to your point, Ken, because we grew up in native speaking countries, I knew grammar. I knew it intuitively. Yeah. I knew it naturally, but I never knew how to explain a rule. <laughs> I never knew that. So I give credit to one of my colleagues who was born, you know, outside of a native speaking country. And so what I did was he really knew the rules. And so I, for me is, is that when teaching grammar or vocabulary, I try to look at my philosophy as substance versus style. So yeah, you know, the substance, whatever the target language that we're trying to teach as English teachers is that's the substance and the style. And then oftentimes the way, the manner, the examples that you use it. Um, but for me, again, it's not just exclusive where you are. So many people know rules, but they don't know how to explain it. Exactly, exactly. I actually put uh, something on my Instagram, um, get in, get out, get on, get off. And I just said, get in, get out, we use for, uh, for private transport and go on, go off, we use for public transport. And I got a comment from someone saying, you know, I've, I've been speaking English for 36 years and this is the first time I've really thought about this, you know? We don't, and we just know it intuitively. We, you know, we don't really, you know? True, really true. Yeah? yeah, I never knew the grammar rules until, so shout out to my, my colleague, if you listen, I never knew, I never knew the rules. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think one thing as well, when, sorry, I'm rambling on here, when, when I was learning Spanish, I got to a certain point and then I, I couldn't get any further. And then I read a book about the perfect tense. And this actually made everything so clear to me, you know, um, in English, I didn't know the perfect tense in English. And once I knew my own language, the other language became a lot easier to understand, you know. Mm, uh, true, true. Cool. Any questions? Anything you want to add on to there, Lily? I would say that, you know, it's strange, but working in China, I saw that it's very important for students to visualize the grammar. Mm. So, <laughs> so they need it. it. I suppose it's maybe different kind of, I don't know, they are different. They need everything to be put as though you teach maths to them. Mm. So I was actually drawing a lot when I was explaining grammar. So mm -hmm. I would, I would write down, okay, so like past simple and okay, we will read a story and we would first experience past simple. So I needed to explain what's that. And the most effective way I found is to draw this huge picture, past simple. Then I write signal words to explain when, when in time it happens, when do they need to use this tense? Mm -hmm. And then comes lots of diagrams and things like that, like arrows and stuff like that. And they really get it when they can, they, when they visualize this. Absolutely. So I would just write down, okay, if it's past simple, now it's, it gets a bit nasty here because there are two kinds of verbs we have. We have regular verbs, we have irregular verbs. Okay, now it's getting very complicated. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> so then you explain all this up step by step. And it would take me probably like two or three classes to really help them master mm. the whole thing. Because like if we talk about past tense, it's a bit complicated. Like when we talk, we talk about present perfect here, verbs, you need to remember the verbs. And they're like, oh my God, how many verbs do I need to remember? I was like, hey, about 250. Oh no. 
so but they needed to see the picture to visualize this not just to like to read it in a text so i would just use the textbooks but then i would just draw the whole thing with different markers and just mm. help them to see the whole picture <laughs> yeah 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 i mean it's not it's not easy the grammar i know that in in the thai language for example go back to that to say the past tense it's just you just put in one word you know and that, yeah. Same in Chinese. Is it the same in Chinese as well? You know, fantastic. You know, so easy. It yeah, they just say go. They say go. It means it's happened in the past. They have three yeah. tenses. That's yeah. it. But they can't understand this. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, we'll do maybe one more here. Maybe maybe two more. Here's a, like an, an. I guess this is like an intermediate type of word. Intermediate English. Diplomatic. What's the meaning of diplomatic in a simpler way? In a simpler way. For me, I guess diplomatic means that you, you say something, but you take someone else's feelings into account when you say it. Yeah. Hmm. For example, don't say, Ken, you're very fat. You would say, Ken, you are big boned or something like that, you know? So you, you would take their feelings into consideration or their or their point of view into consideration before you uh, before you say it, I guess, yeah? Would that be, would that be fair enough? It's a good yeah. example. Yeah? It is. Yeah. What would your, what would your um, uh, meaning of, of diplomatic be, Will? How would you I, no, I, I would agree with you. And the, the only other word I could say is something that's measured, something that's nuanced, nuanced, measured, respectful. Mm -hmm. Ah, respectful. Good one, yeah. Good one, yeah. What examples could you give? Um, instead of... Uh... <laughs> oh, wow. See, you took my thing about a bit fat because I was like, I haven't been to the gym because of Corona. So um, what would I say a nice... Okay, okay. Instead of saying, for example, instead of saying, this is very direct, instead of saying like, hey, you know what? Um, you're, 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 as an example, I don't mean this as first thing in mind. You're dumb, you're stupid, right? A diplomatic way of saying that could be, it's like, hey, you know what? I do think that you have the opportunity to apply yourself. More. Ooh, very diplomatic. <laughs> very diplomatic. <laughs> very diplomatic. You know, and I think that's actually a good point, very quickly, I think yeah. that's a good point as it relates to giving feedback to learners, particularly understanding culture. Yeah. Because in certain societies that you're in is it's that, you know, certainly well teachers, it's kind of like, you know what, I, I don't I don't believe in the word stupid mm. as a teacher, right? Yeah. So even if I did, there's a way to communicate that. I mm. think you can apply yourself more. Mm. Are you are there any difficulties that you're running in? Because oftentimes I've, you know, I've seen been a witness to physically and or you know looking at content on social media and certainly people have the right to do anything we want mm. but in certain cultures teachers are extremely respected i'm sure both where you live in the asian culture and similarly to where i live so it's being mindful of the words that you say yeah. as we as teach or let me make a point an i statement the words that i words are very powerful Mm. And so yeah. I have to be mindful in terms of giving feedback to be diplomatic, even though I might just think that that learner is crazy. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Right? So 
giving, I, I think it's important, you know, if anybody, if any, anyone's listening to the call, either learners or teachers, is to ask themselves the question, what words are they using? Are they in a diplomatic way? Because certain words is stupid or lazy or dumb, mm. you know, I mean, can impact a student, particularly, and it's not their native language. And I mean, I can relate to that, you know, when I was in, in uh, way, way, way back in the day, you know, there were teachers that called me dumb and stupid. And I use that as an empowering thing, but I'm not going to sit back and say that that didn't hurt or that didn't have an impact. I don't want to say about it bullying did. or whatever, but I think that's really important that when giving feedback as we as teachers, or at least I as a teacher have a responsibility to be mindful of the words that I use. Absolutely. Dumb and stupid or no, because I've heard content providers use it and I'm like, okay, that's your choice. And that actually says more about them than it does about the student, to be honest. Truly, truly, truly. No, it does. It, it certainly does, Teacher Ken. Last point is, is that it does. I mean, ultimately, you know, it's on that person that's delivering them, but do they understand or have they thought about the impact that that has? But, you know, I mean, you have people that we all have different social medias and some of these learners view us as quote unquote gods or we're not, but they view us as gods or we make no mistakes. So at least for me, when I see that, I just, it, it, it makes me mindful. Yeah, yeah, cool. Lily, what about you? Diplomatic. Okay, so I would say that the word diplomatics has several meanings, right? So the first meaning is when it involves something with like relationships between two countries, yeah. like diplomatic negotiations, right? And then there is another meaning, which is diplomatic, meaning to be very careful when you say something so it doesn't cause an offense. Ah, right. So be nice, be diplomatic. I think that's or the one. opposite of politically correct. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, yeah. Indeed. Excellent. Excellent. Anything we want to add? Because I think that's us wrapping up just now. Is there anything, anything you want, want to add to, to what we've been speaking about today? Well, I would like to say thank you very much for inviting us. <laughs> Lily, it's been great such a great time seriously i had to be very diplomatic to ask my gra grandmother to babysit my daughter to do this. <laughs> 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 but i was so i mollified her in, in every possible way and here i am so thank you very much for inviting me i loved Fantastic. it <laughs> excellent no problem well hey so first of all a uh, lily teacher a uh, teacher lily very nice to meet you um, teacher Ken, thank you for this. I appreciate the opportunity and I would encourage anyone that's listening is to um, take these opportunities really to listen to this information and really apply it. Because oftentimes it's been that kind of like, hey learners, you know what, you have so much information out there. And so this is an opportunity, a resource for you that is for free, that is of no use at all. Uh, no cost of you at, at all. So take these opportunities that are available for you for free. And then if you need supplementary, supplementary, excuse me, if you need supplementary help or coaching, then you know what, you can go and find a teacher that works for you and, and, and you know, pay them obviously to service. But yeah. learners, take this information and use it because Ken does not, I'm sorry, teacher Ken, teacher Ken does not have to do this. And so one of the things that I encourage people to do is you use it because to assume that information, 
like this is going to be available in the future, that's an assumption. And I don't believe in assumptions, particularly if you look at the first three words of that word. So <laughs> I hope learners have learned. And again, Ken, I appreciate it. And I appreciate your efforts in terms of collaboration. Great. Well, what I'll do is I'll leave um, in, the, in the program notes, I'll leave all your contact details. So anyone that wants to reach out to either of you, they, they can do on the podcast or on the YouTube channel or Facebook or, or wherever, because there's a mountain of social media here, yeah? So I hope you enjoyed that rather enthusiastic Three Teachers podcasts with Teacher Will and Teacher Lily and myself, Teacher Ken. I hope you've learned something new from it. And as you can see, there's different perspectives and different ways that we can learn English. And really, really importantly, there's not a, a one-size-fits-all when you're learning English. It's all about applying yourself and trying to use that English in its proper context. So I really, really hope you enjoyed that. And, uh, and please subscribe and give us a five-star rating if you can. It would be much appreciated. And if you have any questions, then feel free to get in touch with me at hello at ajarnken.com. It's all in the program notes below. And don't remember to, uh, don't forget, sorry, to check out Teacher Lily and Teacher Will and Teacher Ken's social media channels. And I'm sure that you'll find it really, really interesting. If you have any questions you want us to cover, by all means, get in touch with us. So until the next podcast, my name's Ken. Bye for now. And don't forget, this podcast is running in conjunction with my new website, gab2.com, G-A-B-T-O-O-2.com. And this is a platform for English learners to connect and to practice together. And you practice speaking either on audio or on video. And it's there for you to use as much as you can. Come along, join in. We have three classes per week, conversation classes. You're more than welcome to come in also. So hopefully I shall see you then.